The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey with that was a very uh, relaxed pour. That was a end of harvest. That was a, that was a like oh thank God. Right, Sam Katuri, <laughs> last pick today. Eh? Last pick, 40, 42 days from from the first pick to the last pick. You know what tonnage total was for you guys this year? No, I haven't added it all up yet. Okay. So wait a minute, last pick for sixteen six hundred or and, last and enterprise and enterprise. And enterprise. Wow. There was one other pick going on today, but they finished ahead of us. So, so we were the last one. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be pretty early. Uh, at least ten days earlier than sort of average. Uh, but you know, it's all this like upside downness of you know the only Cabernet. Uh, in Moon Mountain District that was left to pick was today at, at Silver Cloud, which is kind of a cold spot. Everything else was done. Um, you know, st- we were picking Steel Plow Grenache, which is often last or towards the end. Um, and that was, you know, and that was kind of on schedule, but it was like everything else that was so early that kind of, you know, was right. the shocking thing. But, you know, I've, like I said, we've talked about this before. I've, I've picked Steel Plow on Election Day. So, right. um, so this is, you know, that's where we're three weeks from from the first week of November. Yeah. But good timing, though, right? Because you got, I mean, it rained the other day briefly here in Sonoma, but then we got... Just enough for us to talk about it on social media. Right. And then, and then but I think we're going to get three or four days um, starting tomorrow, and I think the, the weekend might get... But the well. question and is... Like four inches? There's like forecasts for like four or five inches, maybe, yeah. with this. But the question is, has the, has the crew been able to get out and get all the cover crop down before the rain? <laughs> Uh, sounds like you were listening in on the phone conversations with my father oh, wow. this morning. <laughs> it's uh, th- there was there's one big development project, um, in Green Valley. So technically, it's Solano County, which means the rules are kind of different. But right now, there's 40 acres of recently ripped ground that has not had uh, straw and seed spread on it yet. So that was the like, there's a there's a big crew over there doing that right now. I mean, 40 acres is. A lot. a lot. Is that um, um, is that calendar date later than here, or is there- is there like is there like rules on when? I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know what Solano probably. Yeah. If it's Solano County, they don't think they really have figured out those rules in Solano County right. yet. Uh, but even even so, we're we haven't reached the point of no open ground yet. Right. You know, that's either November first or November fifteenth, kind of depending on the slope and the the county and all that. So. Right. Um, you know this talk about early forget the harvest five inches of rain and right if that really happens um that's early yeah well and it's nice to see a little bit of snow on the ground up at tahoe even though some rain may come and melt it but it's still really Whatever. refreshing to see fire season will be over that's right. what matters right oh, exactly thank you yeah 
that was the that was the sigh of that poor of the 2019 Rossi homage Blanc was. It's been nice. Yeah. yeah. No. No fires. Clear yeah. skies. No, like even thought about any of those four-letter words. Smoke. All right. Well, we do have on I a guest today, guys. Oh. Oh, hi. <laughs> We've got Cyril Penn from Wine Business Monthly. And um, Cyril, why don't you just go ahead and let people know? I mean, those of us that live here um, sort of know about you and, and Wine Business Monthly. But for people, we have a lot of listeners that don't live here in Sonoma. Why don't you tell them a little bit about what it is exactly you guys do? And, 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 and be sure to touch on the fact that Wine Business Monthly is just one aspect of it. Right, I mean, it's that's kind of the sure the flagship, the flagship. Yeah, yeah. It, for me, it's Wine Business Monthly Daily. That email that you get right. every morning. Oh, that's usually me. Yeah. Have my coffee waking up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can tell the mornings that the coffee is coming out yeah, slower. You can right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're a trade magazine for winemakers and growers, but uh, we're pretty much read uh, by everybody in the industry because the industry is so multidisciplinary. There's all the different aspects to it which make it fun. So winemaking, grape growing, marketing, sales, business, technology, best practices, that sort of thing. That's, yeah. that's the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think I was saying earlier that I, th- I think you guys have really, for us in the business, you guys have really changed the business for us in the positive because, you know, I, I always say this, when I started back in 1986. Did they have magazines in those days? They did. Okay. They did. They were, you know... Cartoons. They were, yeah, <laughs> hand-drawn. No, but, you know, there was Wine Business Classified, the little yellow, you know, weekly flyer that came out. Which had out. what on it, basically? Well, it was basically a classifieds. You know, it had an area to buy grapes. It had jobs. It had people selling used barrels, maybe some used equipment. Um, but by the time you got it and it got passed down, it usually went to the winemaker and then he handed it down to the, you know, the assistant winemaker. And by the time it got to somebody that was going, Hey, we need this. Usually things were sold, you know? Um, so that aspect has changed, you know, wine jobs crazy what that's done. You know, I remember when wine jobs started taking off and we started getting emails from people looking for internships across the country, I mean, across the world. You know, and we never had that ability to communicate with those people. Um, you know, buying and selling used equipment, grapes. You know, you know, one of the funnest things to do is go on to the bulk wine, um, like right now, go on to the yeah. bulk wine um, listings and check out, you know, how many gallons are for sale and the prices. Or I feel bad for that guy that's got 43 tons of Pinot. Is that still listed? Sitting, sitting at 27. Well, it's probably at 27 now. You know, at $3,400 a ton. Melt by Monday. Right. Yeah, it gives you a sense of what's going on when you see those prices in the bulk yeah. board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, so those are all really kind of cool things. And then, of course, there's the salary survey, and I see you have uh, a copy of that over oh, there. Yeah, um, I've got a couple magazines with me today. Yeah. Yeah, and and the salary survey is really interesting. Although, because of the small group of people that probably ever fill out the survey, you kind of have to throw out the high and the low and figure kind of what's in the middle. 
Um, but it still gave you an indication of what was going on. We're actually, that's actually two surveys now that get commingled into one, uh, one done by Western Management Group, which covers all the big wineries. It's done very well. All they do is surveys for all different kinds of industries, but we supplement it by trying to get more responses by small wineries and also some geographic distribution uh, around the country because obviously what pe- what winemakers make in Napa might not be the same as what they make in Minnesota, right. et cetera, et cetera, but... So what um, what year did the did it all start, and how did it start? Oh boy! So this was uh, you guys probably know Lou Purdue because he lives in town. Yeah. Uh, so this was originally uh, he started a newsletter. There was the internet was was a thing. Like I worked at a university at that time when we had the internet, but people generally didn't, right? And so there was a newsletter he started called the Napa Sonoma Wine Business Insider, and it was a gossip rag. It was who's yeah. buying who, who's suing who, who switched jobs pretty popular went out uh back when they had faxes yep you remember those days yeah so uh he did that he quickly changed the name to wine business insider uh had the newsletter then he decided to start a magazine it was a free magazine wine business monthly was on newsprint that went for a while uh then they started a consumer magazine called smart wine and that uh lasted three or four issues kind of abruptly ended uh uh, then uh, there was a guy named Rich Cartier working there. He left to create a newsletter called Wine Market Report. And then they hired me to uh, to come in, um, and uh, we've it's it's evolved over time. Obviously, I mean, when I started, there were there were five print magazines for winemakers, trade magazines in in, in the wine industry, and you know, now there's essentially it's boiled down to pretty much us. Most of them have, have folded into uh, into wine business, and a lot of the editors that, that were involved with those are still working with us as well. So, um, yeah, it's been a great, um, great ride, and I can't believe how much time has passed. And, uh, and were you into quick. wine when you started, or was that... No, I was not. Well, I was into wine. I mean, I catered my way through college. I drank wine, but I was not a wine aficionado. I like to drink alcohol. I mean, I'm in college, right? The best uh, type of consumer. Right. But uh, but no, I had uh, I had some business chops. I was doing the um, insider rag for the energy industry, actually. And I was, I was actually kind of uh, bored with it and ready to, to do something new. And I got a call saying, hey, you want to come cover the wine business? And first, I'm not quite sure. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. You know, I'm a real investigative journalist. I don't know. It's kind of soft. You know, it, it very quickly changed changed my mind on that and uh, got to know the wine industry as fast as I could. Um, uh, put about 40,000 miles on my car that first year, just uh, <laughs> driving around, you know, saying hey um, and uh, trying to figure things out. So let's let's dig deeper on that a little bit. What what? What surprised you and what sort of like about the wine industry when you first got what, in here? What and, and surprised me was people wanted to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd, I'd done, uh, I'd, I'd worked for Reuters. I'd been covering the computer industry. I'd, I'd been doing bonds. Nobody wanted to talk to me ever unless they had uh, a position or a, some sort of uh, thing they were trying to get done or an angle or, you know, the wine industry, as you know, everybody's pretty much, I mean, there's some exceptions, but but everybody's pretty much in it together and rising tide floats all boats and there are no secrets and they want to share and all that. So uh, that was what struck me right away as, as an outsider, you know, coming in. I was like, whoa, um, this is pretty cool. So I, I, I it's funny that's what always been said is that everybody shares information and shares equipment and shares yeah. helps everybody out and it's very true but there are definitely some people out there that are holding back a little bit of information oh i could <laughs> tell you stories for sure um yeah 
also, the other thing that struck me was oh, how darn. long, as, we were as, as, as a, uh, a journalist, um, I was used to people calling you back in 15 minutes, <laughs> half an hour, an hour, you know, uh, I, I, people would call me back a week later and, and, and they would think they just got right back to me. And it was, the, the pace was, uh, you know, it was a different thing to, uh, yeah, to kind of get to understand. Yeah. So. I, I mean, that, that is, I think maybe just part of Sonoma County or in Northern California. My wife um, grew up in Southern California, works in the finance department and when she, or in finance. And when she first moved here, it would drive her nuts how slow it took people, you know, contractors and whatnot to get back to you. Nobody wanted to actually write a contract. They just wanted to do a handshake, you know, and I'd go, well, that's how we do things. A handshake. It's good enough. And she was like, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. So, so can we talk a little bit about really like the way that most of us who are listening and, and are familiar interact, which is that that daily email that you send out and sort of sure. um, how that started, where you find, you know, how you're like digging those articles out. Uh, you know, yeah. you've you've uh, included yeah, us. You yeah. included us a couple times, which we're appreciative of. But it's you know, really like, like every of, week, if we put out a podcast, if we put out one that's newsworthy, if it's not newsworthy, <laughs> we don't make the list. I've noticed. Um, but just sort of like what goes into that, what your thought process, because really, you know, on, we interact as if you're not if you're in the wine business and you aren't on that list. Um, I don't know how you op, you know function. So t- talk talk okay. about that a little bit because that's really like you know everybody's so way back that every way day. back in the dark ages, uh, people didn't s- aggregate news. And, well, you know there wasn't much of an internet thing happening, and wine business was one of the first wine websites out there. Uh, thanks to Lou with Smart Wine and all of that. And when uh, when I got going with it, I had I had uh, worked with a journal that had a clipping service, and I I knew how valuable a clipping service could be right. it was the back of a publication so uh the idea of uh posting uh aggregating other people's content and posting it to a home page website that was like that was actually innovative uh 22 years ago when we started doing that um you know now now everybody pretty much does that but um we're just trying to give people good information that that that's relevant and now it's obviously it's gotten to a point where we're completely saturated as it's so you just you just got to boil boil synthesize things down and right. and uh and uh you know make it relevant for people the way that a newsletter has really evolved is what i'm trying to do is make it a newsletter not a collection of links so that you don't have to click on the links you shouldn't have to click on them you should be able to go through that and kind of get the takeaways and figure out what's going on you know as yeah. quickly yeah that definitely serves that serve that you know you, you yeah. read through there's you get an idea and and there's probably you know two or three things that you want to dig into further on a on a daily basis right yeah and it's and and it's and it's like i was saying uh earlier about how multidisciplinary the industry is people are coming at coming at it from different angles and have different jobs so there's there's a lot of different stuff that's neat and interesting i think to people in the trade and and you know when you're in a large wine company you know you may specialize in whatever it is you do but obviously when you're in a smaller wine company you do everything right yeah so you want to know what's happening in the restaurant world you want to know what's happening with winemaking etc do people pitch you to try and get it in the into the into the absolutely sure uh every day do people call you and say why did you print that about me (laughs) uh yes they do (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and do those just usually or, get a voice? Or they say, or they'll call me, this article just posted, uh, it's inaccurate, please don't uh, run it up, you know, <laughs> don't run it too high because it's not right or that kind of thing. Uh, if you want, if you, how many people get, how many people are on that email list? Uh, thirty-two thousand. Thirty-two thousand. Yeah, it's it's uh it's uh it's a clean list. If if you don't opt in, we'll bump you. Um, very proud of uh the open rate on yeah. it. It's, it's above fifty percent, which we we're just we're super happy about yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And the open rate. So the open rate comes from the email when you open. Yeah, the email? it's actually the number of people that actually look at the email. Right. Yeah. 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 So who contributes all of this information? Like who? Where do you get? all of the information that you're putting out it can't all come from you so who's who's working with you who's working with me yeah. uh it's mostly me with so we've got a couple other editors that are contributing as well um uh so there's this episode of portlandia where uh here we go <laughs> the local <All> newspaper right. <laughs> uh gets bought by a dot-com and they make all the journalists linkless my my wife jokes sometimes that I'm a linkalist because I'm always looking for for content for uh, you know that people might find of interest. Uh, so it's it's all different ways. People are sending us stuff. I'm looking for stuff, and then we're creating original content uh, as you know to the extent that we can, as well uh, that we think people will actually want to read. But do you mean that for the magazine itself, or do you mean more for the 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 website? Well, we were talking about. The daily, wine business monthly daily. Yeah, I, I mean, it, to me, I, it it is funny. I do tell people about it because people will say, you know, how do I, how did you find that, whatever. And I always start with the website because I don't think a lot of people. I mean, in, unless you're in the industry, you probably don't pick up the the paper. Well, the unfo- print copy. unfortunately, a, a lot of people will come up to me and say, "I love your magazine. I get it every day." <laughs> So, you know, um, wine, wine, like I said, wine business monthly daily. Right, right, right. <laughs> Ooh, you already have piqued my interest with that cover, recycling bottles. Yeah, it's been tried many times over the years. You guys probably know about this. Um, well, uh, recycling bottles, or collecting them, cleaning them, and then redistributing them has right. been tried. And, and has failed for uh, numerous reasons. Uh, I could tell you a couple stories, but, but well, these are more on a regional basis. People are trying to do it, and it seems like they're having a little more success if they uh, use all the same bottles, right? So there's no variability there, and the bottles are heavy enough. So My, uh, my neighbor was part of a startup company. that tr- It was a wine bottle recycling company. They had some equipment that had been used from previous attempts, um, they had their system that they said that they were going to go around and pick up bottles at restaurants. Uh, they had a way to separate the bottles and classify them. And the whole time I looked at them, and I just said, it's never going to work, you know, not on a major, you know, scale like they were talking. And I think they lasted about a year and a half or two years. And It's too uh, bad because it's a great idea. It, it, it is. Yeah. It's a great idea. Well, it's got to be, it's got to be, uh, there's sort of is there renewed interest and renewed demand now that everybody's worried about you know when their next shipment of bottles is going to be unloaded? Oh, that's that's Port that's a Long good Beach? question. You know, I don't know um, about the uh, supply chain issues. If if that 
has has played into it so much. These ones that are successful are pretty much regional operations where they're vertically integrated, where they're actually selling the wine that they're refilling into the bottles right. and all of that sort of thing. Um, and I'm not too up on what's up with the supply chain, but I know getting glass from China is difficult. Um, most of the glass companies difficult. don't really want to be too honest with me about what's going on when I call them they'll just say yeah we were able to balance everything out you know we we, we are we are we source from so many places that we hedge blah 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 so all is well um, yeah yeah that's what they'll tell you yeah. that's what they tell you what they tell the winemakers is oh, yeah, yeah you're gonna you're, have to wait you're gonna right? have to wait yeah yeah it's on it's on a boat somewhere yeah, exactly yeah, yeah is that, is that, has 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 that uh, cropped up anywhere else for you guys besides glass, or is that really the main paper, paper? right? Paper, Recently. paper, yeah. and and um, the piece of the paper industry, um, the label industry. That's sort of the forgotten part. I think is the the adhesive has been an issue too. The there's like one factory and one refinery in Texas that makes all the makes all the glue, and the the freeze of Texas last you know in february on top of like a fire at the refinery or something has has been a big sort of like kink in that in that flow um so i don't you know i don't know we're still we're still waiting on one one roll of labels yeah um, just all so. these odd odd things that crop right. up yeah so um and how long has the print magazine been up and operational Ooh, it's been, uh, when did it start? Uh, would have been, it's been about 30 years now already. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. But we were the new, the new, the new publication, right. actually. Right. The new publication from 30 years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, for those of us in the business, I mean, there's a lot of information in there. Um, I love the round tables with, um, the different yeah. winemakers where you guys get people to talk about what they're doing, whether it's a specific variety or a winemaking technique. Um, it's always good. Um, you know, the technical data that's shared is always really yeah. good. Always, I, you know, Jake Lorenzo in the back is always entertaining. <sighs> Local Sonoma Valley <clears throat> legend, Jake Lorenzo. Jake Lorenzo is a rock star. He's, yeah. he's, he's really helped us connect with winemakers. I mean, he just keeps pumping them out, too. I mean, Lance is... Um, Wait, I mean, Jake is uh, incredibly, <laughs> uh, incredibly well-connected. Yeah, not everyone knows that Jake Lorenzo is uh, Lance Cutler, but right, right. Who? What? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I think I think like, when, is Santa Claus not real too? I think when when uh, you know when when I came into the industry and our, our publisher Eric Jorgensen came into the industry, I think we we realized um, that that there wasn't a lot of data in the wine industry where other industries have data that they can look at, so we really want to fill that void. So that's been part of what we do uh, since day one. And you mentioned the salary survey. Yeah. And, and, and what, how many, how many copies of the magazine are printed or are subs or do you mail out? Oh, right now? Yeah. About 7,000. Okay. Okay. It's, but we, we are in publishing. So publishing in print publishing, they, they don't really talk about how many copies okay. uh, they print anymore. They, they sort of more talk about it in terms of coverage so I can tell you that, you know, 99% of all the wineries in North America read Wine Business Monthly, that sort of thing. Hmm. Right. Right. And when did you start um, at least collaborating in some ways um, uh, with Rob at Silicon Valley Bank? Oh, well, um, 
God, that's almost 10 years ago, I would say. Uh, we were doing a tasting room survey every year. And do you guys not do that anymore? Well, Rob decided to do a tasting room survey, and we're like, Rob, we're already doing a tasting room survey. Uh, maybe we should do this together so everybody doesn't have to fill out the survey twice. And so we right. j- joined forces on that. Yeah. Yeah, and worked together for, for a while. We're, we're, not, we're not doing that together anymore. Okay. Um, but it's been great working with Rob. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, I love just watching those um, seminars sometimes and seeing the, the information that comes out because I always have a million questions. Yeah, um, I think I think it's uh, I, th- I think the industry's really reacted to it. I, I th- one of the big things is just you, you, you see what the trends are in tasting rooms. Right. So. Right. So pretty early on. uh so already a few years ago when we started noticing, hey, well, why don't we ask questions by whether it's sit-down tastings, whether it's a formal tasting, whether it's at the bar, and then you know slice and dice it by that, and we're seeing, well, oh, you're 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 having more wine club signups, and you know uh, people are buying more wine if it's more formal tasting, blah blah blah. Yeah. People, you know, started going that direction, and I think there's there's a, some winery tasting rooms that that redesign their tasting rooms based on what they were learning from, you know, the survey information about what's sure. happening in the wind. And of course that trend's kind of just taken off. We all know with COVID. Well, yeah. and I was thinking about, um, staffing the way everyone's challenged for staffing now, because you want to have one-on-one, um, contact with people in tasting rooms. Cause you know that that's where you get the best bang for your buck. But right now, I think we're all struggling for staff. Um, so I wonder what wineries are doing um, to sort of make up for the balance. I do too. We'll see what this, the survey can tell us. Um, yeah, I, I think they have to, to raise wages might be, might be one. Raise wages <laughs> or change the way that you pay the yeah. tasting room employees. I mean, I know they talked about, yeah, initially it was oh. just, I worked for the Benziger family for, five or six years in one of their tasting rooms. And I think it was just hourly for a while. And then we got little bonuses if we signed up for uh, wine club members. But I know the conversation has sort of gone to um, long-term engagement too, which is for some people, they don't have a department for that. They're smaller guys, but the ones that do is, is actually hiring someone that that is their job is to keep a wine club member for life rather than just the typical, what is it, 28 months or something like that? Oh, I think that it's even find, less. Yeah, I think it's it's less. less. I think it's 18 now. months or something like that. So you get yeah. the first shipment and then maybe, yeah, their summer three, shipment. Three shipments, I think, is the average. Is that what it is for you guys? Uh, no, I think we we do a little better than that. And why as, do you think that is? Uh, I mean, I think this microphone that I'm talking into is a big part of that. Yeah. I mean, I think podcast listeners, um, you know, I think that people come here and have a more personal experience, more memorable experience, even though, you know, it's not like about a view and a building, it's about the people and the wine. Um, And, you know, I I think um, I pour a lot of time and energy and heart and soul into the the letter each, you know, each shipment. Um, And I think that kind of is that, long-term hook to the experience they had here the you know the family oriented you know family business side of it and then they you know i've had people who were like i was gonna drop and then i read the letter and sent it again and you know so i think that that level of just sort of like personal touch um is is what 
keeps those keeps those folks around. Um, you know, and there's some people who just they're gonna sign up, they're gonna you know they get in a free tasting, they're gonna get a shipment or two, and then they're gonna drop no matter what. And I don't think you can do anything about that. But um, you know, those people who are sort of on the fence, um, you know, those extra personal touches, Jasmine emailing them and calling them right now to you know customize their their club shipment even if those that's a big one right is being able to pick what they want instead of what you're going to send them my my shipping deal i think is another piece of it free shipping we're not we don't say free shipping especially in front of people who are (laughs) members of the media shipping is included brian shipping Shipping is is included included. it's built into the model exactly Okay, <laughs> that's that's why the price of the shipment keeps going up each time too. Because you know, at the so, um, sir, I work at the Fairmont, and we we have people that come into town without having existing reservations at at wineries. They think that they can just kind of fly into town, and the same thing with with the restaurants too. They just kind of feel like they can show up and they're going to get a reservation at the Girl and the Fig. They they're flying in on Thursday. They think they can just Friday morning call the Girl and the Fig, make a reservation for six people at seven o'clock on a Friday night. They want to go taste wines. They, I tell them, oh, you got to go to Repree. They call Repree and find out that they're, it's two months out um, to get a tasting appointment. Um, so, it, I mean, people really sort of buttoned up the, um, the doors over the last 18 months. They sure did. Yeah, but, yeah. and I would think that's happening all over and people have got to start adjusting. You know? yeah. But well, I guess well, maybe I, not I, from what you're... It would be interesting to see what, like, the... You know, the surveys and reports say this year, I think that um, at least what we found, you know, when you have people who are making appointments a month in advance and are invested in the places that they're going, they get here and they they buy more. They're more into it. You know, there's people who are making day of appointments and day before appointments they have proven not to be the the real wine buyers. Right, you know, so I, I think that people, the the cost, the, the informed customers um, and visitors, guests are are into it. People who aren't aren't the ones who are going to be buying one anyway. Well, and and I think I think you we've seen that a little bit to the aspect of how long a tasting room lasts around the square or the plaza. To, you know, whether it's Healdsburg or Sonoma or downtown Napa. You know, the places that pop up and they rely on people just coming in and tastings, there's not a there's not a long they're not around for a long time. Um, Unless you're a big guy, right? Like someone who's got national distribution. So like Chateau Saint Jean, they don't mind if you're coming in for a splash and you're at the tasting bar and it's too deep and the people are just kind of coming to so to say they've been there and maybe pick up a few bottles of wine as opposed to sitting down for an hour hour and a half one on one with someone that. you know, the, the engagement is much different. Yeah, I, I think I think so for sure. Um, you know, I I, I think of uh, some past tasting rooms on the plaza, but even some of the big ones. You know, the uh, Sabragia that was on Broadway. I mean, they were there was never anybody in there. I think, but there's still isn't it still there? Maybe it is. Still I think there. it's still there, but I, but, still, but, nobody but ever. Chapelet didn't didn't last right. on the plaza. I mean, that's a big big brand. Yeah. But that just might be the curse of that vine alley. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell David Rossi. Yeah. <laughs> but but David Rossi has national distribution. I mean, right. that's where his wine's being sold is is through that. I mean, it's 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 a little something here, so he has a place to 
have a home because you know he is a custom crush facility and so that is his his way when people are out visiting but um you know he does i think from the numbers that he told us it sounds like he relies on the national distribution to sell his wine as opposed to sam you know or uh cayman you know where it it's really driven by visitors and you know people coming out and making appointments yeah i mean we're seeing that now that all of our podcast listeners out there that have been out visiting, you know, we're getting messages from them a month ahead of time saying, Rob Wildman here, our guest, Rob and Rosie are here. And, you know, how long, Rob, were you waiting for? <laughs> how long did, did you guys consider before you finally booked your trip out here? I mean, three yeah, it's three months, you know, and he's been looking forward to that. And so I think those people are also, you know, well engaged and they want to yeah. be out here. How does a visitor, though, know or is more prepared to make appointments right so it, i'm from cincinnati a, right we came out what do you you know and that's what i was kind of thinking about is the more i heard about um people looking for recommendations on restaurants um wineries and even hotels is that what is sonoma doing um who do people get in contact with when they know they want to come to sonoma to to help them navigate all of those decisions for making reservations at restaurants, tasting rooms, and hotels. Is it Sonoma Valley Visitors Bureau? Um, I mean, or, or is there even, is that, a, is that a position that someone holds here in Sonoma, or is that a, a company? Is it your concierge at your hotel? See, now, we, we do that, but once you're already here, I mean, if you know you're coming out two months ahead of time and you call our concierge, then by all means, they're gonna make recommendations for restaurants or wineries. But once you're already here, um, you know, currently it might just be too late to get you in the places that we really want to send you. That was my question is, if we make a decision, we're coming out here, it'd be nice to say, you know, like when we went to Hawaii, they were constantly saying, hey, if you want to schedule, you need to schedule in advance. Right. If you want to do a tour, you need to do this in advance. It'd be nice if the visitors bureau or the concierge of the hotel would kind of just keep keep you in that ear. You um, know, and I, and I, I think I can speak to that a little bit is that um, staffing challenges. Um, so the amount of time that we actually have to spend on the phone, I can tell you that personally, I have walked by a phone that's ringing um, because I know that if I answer it, it means that I'm going to have to do something. And most likely, it's not even anything <laughs> that has to do with my job. It's that I'm going to then have to go find someone that they are looking for to interact with that so that it takes me out of what I'm already doing and I'm already overwhelmed with. So... Well, and the other piece, and you know, you guys are staying in a an Airbnb essentially, right? Right. And and there's a lot of those folks who are, you know they're not staying in a traditional hotel or you know B and B or whatever. They're in an, you know they're VRBO and they're Airbnb. Who's who's guiding those guests, those visitors to um, you know the places that they need to be? Cyril, do you have? I have a friend who's a, a concierge for Airbnbs. <laughs> So, you know, there's a niche for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's a a, a wide open hole. It's an opportunity. For sure. Because it it wasn't um, West Wine Tours one of the ones that came up when you went to Airbnb or VRBO or something? I I believe it's still like if you pull up uh, Airbnb experiences in like the Bay Area, Northern California, Uh they're one of the top hits. Right. um, Which is, you know, and we have. I don't think there's one coming today, but, you know, we have West Wine Tour groups in here four or five days a week still. Yeah. Well, and, you know, another thing that has happened in wine country 
is um, the shift has been made from Las Vegas for bachelorette parties to wine country for for bachelorette parties. You know, I don't think bachelor parties are coming to wine country, but bachelorette parties certainly are, right? Girls' weekends, spa weekends, yeah, and that's driving a lot of people. And you know, are those people that sign up for wine clubs or those people that just come and um you know just maybe buy a bottle or two or um or just a bottle to drink in the in the in the bus going to the next place so i mean i had had one and i still remember i I could tell you almost exactly everybody's name at that table uh one bachelorette party in the six years that we've been open where every every member of the party joined the club and i think there might be still like a couple of them who are still members um but yeah no and that's the other side of it is i don't necessarily want people who are getting referred here by they called the visitors bureau you know for for 16600 everybody who makes an appointment here or wants to make an appointment we ask them how they heard of us and and you know if it's oh we saw you on google or you were the closest thing to our hotel on the google map whatever we're like all right well if we can get you in we'll get you in and if it's like oh well we talked to cayman where we're members and the lady at paradigm said we had to go here um then we're like a little more interested in having those people come by right. and it's just you know there's a limited space limited staff um you know we don't want necessarily and it sounds terrible we don't necessarily want the the day of and day before reservations because they're they're not the ones that you know for us to spend our resources um you know we're not going to get the returns that we need to make that happen so Cyril what what do you think um what are some trends that you see sticking around in the wine business and what are some trends that you see going away or that need to go away boy oh gee what's going on well I think the trend we're talking about is the big trend right now is is you know the, the days of bellying up to the bar are, are yeah are gone right and that's that one with covid is you know that was already happening before covid so that's that's the huge one in terms of what needs to go away right gee here's your moment oh help me with that <laughs> i mean i think um what do you think i think canned products is sticking around alternative bottling is that going to is that going to continue to grow what do you mean um, by that alternative bottling? Well, alternative bottling. Things other than, you know, uh, 750 glass bottles. Yeah. Okay. 750 cork finish. Right. You know, I mean, whether it's the Kibble Stat um, growler. Uh, growler or more canned wines. We know yeah, Sam's but, expanding into cans. I mean, what, what do you guys see? Oh, for sure. The cans. I mean, the, the, the cans was going to be the next big thing for 20 years. It was going to be the next big thing. Going to happen. Going to happen. Never happened. Never happened. Then finally, boom, happens. Right. And that's that's not going away because I think people get that. And and well, the whole environmental thing. Right. I mean, we've had these fires for the last four years, five, whatever, however you want to count it. And um, we, the drought and all of that. When I did reader surveys years ago, you know, the environmental stuff didn't rank very high. Um, and now, I mean, really we were de-emphasizing it a little bit because we were emphasizing it more than the readers really wanted to, to read it. And now that's turn around so that's that's probably the big one so and and within that topic what are some of the things that you're seeing how from an industry side i mean you know away from the heavy bottles or whatever what are some of the things that 
you know, both from, you know, the survey readers side and, and the, the industry side that you're tracking, Dan? Well, I mean, I think among the wineries, there's there's certain leadership, uh, certain wineries that stand out where they're trying to trying to be leaders for the industry. And, you know, I've seen that quite a bit. I mean, I was at the Climate Change Porto conference and, you know, got to meet Al Gore and presented and moderated the energy panel and all that. The, um there's there, there's a few organizations going on where they're really trying to benchmark themselves, and this new one uh, that Jackson Family Wines and Taurus put together has uh, a, basically a climate calculator that is designed specifically for wineries. That once you once you sign up, um, they'll share it with you and help you uh, figure out how to use it. So, I mean, there's tools to benchmark yourself and kind of improve what you're doing uh, that are out there that weren't out there before, and there's more enthusiasm for it. And, of course, and the it big... sounds like those are legit. I mean, it's not it's not just lip service. I mean, you can actually make changes within your company using their... Well, like Coca-Cola their... making Yeah, it is legit. And, and I think it's just, it's just... It used to be... So the sustainability initiatives have been around and the certifications have been around and there's, there's a few of them and there's, you know, the California Sustainable Wine Alliance and all of that stuff. And early on, there was pushback from the distributors because, you know, you're trying to get so much information on your label, right? You've got so many messages and so little room to put those messages. And I think the, the quote I heard from some mucky muck distributor at one point that stuck with me was, oh, pedigree trumps sustainability you know kind of thing and uh <clears throat> that's that's kind of tur- that's turned around now yeah. i think where uh consumers are looking for that more yeah yeah can we say that we want clean wine to no go away? you cannot yes <laughs> make it go away <laughs> well but dirty wine went away too so what are we gonna do right. <laughs> uh, sell 31 it's more authentic <laughs> Right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you about the clean wine thing. Uh, um, I, we're we're actually going to do some articles uh, in the next year about uh, you know what really is vegan wine, and there, there there is some stuff. There is something to some of the clean wine stuff, as you guys know. Yeah. Um, there's um, there's things you can do to use less SO2 yeah. is basically the thing. There's, there's a lot of lot going on around using less SO2 that's actually happening, you know, that people can, can look at. Right. So there's, well, there's it, some, some stuff, as you guys know, better than me. There's something to some of this stuff. But I mean, and, and it's all in the vacuum of, of inf- information and transparency. Everybody's filling it in with a whole bunch of crap, right? I mean, that's, that's what happens. That's the clean wine... You know, we've we've talked about this topic a lot, but really it's because nobody, there's no real clear, you know, labeling guidelines or package, you know, what that, of what it means, just in that vacuum, it gets filled with nonsense. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But hopefully that's just a fad. Yeah. We'll see. So what other, and this was actually one of my questions was going to be sort of in, as you look ahead, I know in the magazine world. Um, you know, you have the October 21 issue in front of you. Uh, I imagine November's to bed and December's 
pretty much planned out. So, you know, you're, you're three months ahead in the magazine world, right? So what are some of the big stories that you guys Giving are... Giving them a lot of credit there, Sam. No, uh, no generally, you know, <laughs> Sam hit it. Actually, in, in, when you're okay, doing okay. publications... My, my old PR brain you're, is you're still usually, there. You're, you're planning a year in, a, in advance, uh, but you're working on three magazines at once, usually. is the one you just put to bed, the one you're really in the thick of, and the one you're about to do, uh, in that sense. So uh, I'm about to do my... Um, top 50 which comes out in february but that means i'm i'm doing those interviews in the next three weeks so calling the ceos of the top wine companies and saying how was your year what did you what did you do what's your take on the industry so i'm working on that the november issue is going to come out soon that's our leaders issue celebrating leadership it coincides with um, the leadership dinner i was telling you about that's going to honor a couple people over at copia uh during the wine industry financial uh symposium um I guess I could let the cat out of the bag that you guys are on the on the list of leaders really? as a, as a group for this podcast because we're we're fans of the podcast. That's, that's wow. really more so pressure than we need. Uh, <laughs> I would have much rather been surprised. <laughs> um, Look, thank thank you. you oh sure. Wait, when you talk about top fifty, is that top fifty in revenue? Top fifty? What's the what's the criteria? It's the cri- we, 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 we wish we could do it by revenue, but since all these companies are private, uh, most of them, that, that it becomes challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do it by volume of okay. cases sold of brands you own. So we don't include Custom Crush, you know, stuff you're making for other people. Right. So Delicato, I don't know what they are. I'm, I'm blanking, but, you know, we have them at 20 million cases instead of 30 or whatever it is. Right. That other 10 million cases, whatever it is that they're making for other people, that doesn't get included. It's just right. your brands by volume. Right. Yeah. So it's, you know, the wine group, Delicato. And, yeah. And you can see the consolidation yeah. that's happened in the industry over the years on that list. Um, I mean, that is a pretty yeah. cool list to look at. I don't know if cool is the right word, but to look at the consolidation. Like when you see all the brands that all these these guys own it's mind-boggling sometimes right and with the consolidation the the big guys used to say oh if i get to a million cases then i have clout with the distributors and now it's like well if i get to two million cases i have clout with the distributors um yeah originally the threshold for being on that list might might have been you know three hundred thousand cases uh that's when it was only 30 people on the list now it's 50 people on the list it's like it's basically almost five hundred thousand cases to get to the to get into to get to the bottom of that list yeah yeah, 400 and something so and maybe you have a sense of this we've talked about it or i I guess i brought it up a couple times there's kind of been a loss of the call it hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand case year winery right i mean have those most of those brands of the you're talking about the 80s and 90s let's say so the the Rodney Strongs and the Kenwoods and the Benzigers, th- those companies have kind of been consolidated, right? I mean, maybe, I guess Rodney Strong hasn't, but they're probably bigger than that. But do, do you understand what I'm saying? That, that yeah, was kind are, of a sweet spot. The, the, yeah, they're sort of stuck in the middle. Maybe at one point it was a sweet spot, but it's a stuck in the middle spot, right? Now because it is. you're you're uh, not small enough and you're you know, you're, you're not big enough. Right. Not small enough to be cool, not big enough yeah. to be a player. Be profitable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and then you have all of the, you know, well, like the thousand to thousand to five thousand case year wineries or brands. I mean, those are, there's a, must be a huge amount of those brands. Well, you now. look at the industry. So every year we, we uh, release a, a list of uh, the number of wineries in the United States. And it's in our database. Uh, it's a big part of what we do. That's the, we're the authority on that number. 
and uh, you see it going up every year, and we're at 11, you know, thousand wineries, and right, those 50 wineries are 95% of all the volume, and then you have almost 11,000 wineries chasing, you know, just a small slice of the volume, really. So, yeah, they're all... They're all yeah, it goes of, back to that conversation of a grain of sand, you know, like, like we're not even a grain of sand on the beach. But we're leaders, Bart. <laughs> we're not. We are. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I like about what's been happening over the last five years is even though you get all these companies like the wine group buying up, you know, some of the family-owned wineries and things, is that you also, and, and maybe it's just because we're on this show and we bring them on, we also get to see the little tiny brands of people that are starting up, of someone whose day job is working for Chateau Montalena, but on the side they do this, or they work for right. Pax Maley over there, you know, um, like Rosalind, or, but then she has her own little tiny brand where she does, you know, she's co-fermenting Pinot Noir and plums. Or I like how those little sort of projects have come up, and it's not just complete consolidation, it's that at the same time you get all these people off to the side that are doing these super cool things, and maybe they don't get a lot of attention, but it's... Um, they completely fly under the radar. Um, I think if it wasn't, you know, for those of us in the industry that kind of seek, like myself, that seek out those sorts of projects. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see those su those success stories, right? I mean, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the winery I was going to use for the example, but we, we've seen those little brands start off and now, you know, getting a lot of PR and um, a lot of uh, print, uh, you know, uh, representation and, and having success. And it's, it's really cool to know that, that that can happen and how quickly it can happen for brands. Yeah. I, th so. I think it, it's like a pendulum and I, and, and this isn't based on any scientific data at all that it sort of swings to where everything gets bought up. And this happens in a lot of different industries and then everything sort of gets broken up and then everything gets bought up and then broken up. And I think, um, I, well, this was, we were just talking yeah, about that, right? I mean, I, I, it was just speculation on my part. I don't know anything, but yeah, you have uh, this ebb and flow where, oh, oh, we're a big wine company. We should be at the high end. Oh, no, the big company, we should break it, break it up. Or you have a company like Treasury Wine Estates, and Treasury, Treasury Wine Estates has been reorganizing its company uh, in terms and. It, for 20 years, you know, with every merger, um, it's in a continual state of being reorganized, um, mm -hmm. juggling brands around. And so, yeah, there's, there is an ebb and flow to it. You're right. And it is cyclical. I remember, what is it, you know, when Diageo bought Carmen A and the Shalom Group, yeah. and that was, what, 20 years ago. And now, you know, Diageo, one of the biggest liquor brands on the planet, they own no wineries, right? I mean, they've sold off the entire wine business now, isn't that? The only thing they have is left is Sonoma Couture, I think. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, that's Brown Foreman. Um, what does Diageo have left? Yeah, yeah all probably, maybe nothing. I think, they, maybe I think nothing. they've sold maybe off nothing. their entire wine portfolio. Right. right? So. Yeah, it's Bullet, Don Julio, Kettle One. I mean, they Bacardi. Got Bacardi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we used to print Bacardi, a, con maybe? a consolidation chart that went back to the Hugh Blind days that you're talking about and the genesis of all those companies. And it was a trifold and then it was like four pages and it was too long. Um, and we, we stopped doing it. It just became too unwieldy to keep doing. Um, but it'd be nice to redo at some point. I mean, just make it digital. Just <laughs> yeah. scroll through it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's so, 
ever changing and amorphous that you know once you it's probably you know uh, obsolete by the time it gets printed. By but now anyway. it's hard to remember who was who and what was what, and yeah, you know because they've all kind of changed right. changed hands, and, and especially when they trade between themselves. You yeah. know, well, like constellation and Gallo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But part of that, right, is that the the younger people coming up don't want to. They don't really want to associate with a like if it's a a brand that's owned by a huge conglomerate. Do they? They don't really think that's I don't cool. Know. It right? was kind of ironic with the Constellation uh, Gallo deal in the sense of some brands get tired, right? Like so, you look at Claude Bois, right? right? That's an old brand. It's tired, but then with the COVID thing, everybody went gravitating towards old brands that they knew, right? With the pantry loading, and it was like, well. Why, you know, it's like you're a little off in your timing here, guys, because... Right. Right. Ravens would have been perfectly yeah. primed for some pa- some COVID pantry loading. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, what was it uh, that one of our friends who shall remain anonymous, because she doesn't want to come on the show, She, I think she was telling me that... Does she live nearby? She might. She was saying that uh, Bogle was like the hot wine in the supermarkets... Um, they've been on fire though for a while. They, they, yeah, they've been on fire for the last ten years. Yeah, they, they, their volume goes up every year for quality or something that they had, what just was perfect for people that were going in the store and wanted six bottles. They're in that sweet spot. Yeah. yeah well, and then, then you have yeah. brands like the Prisoner, which started off as one thing and has become this behemoth, for lack of a better term. Um, and I think a lot of people across the country still believe it's just like this small little brand, um, you know, because it's of its Napa Valley wine. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. that Dave yeah. Finney has something to do with it. It's a good thing this isn't a video podcast. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be more people not answering your phones, Harold. <laughs> we, we, it's funny. We were went to a, a, a swim meet a couple weeks ago in St. Helena, and we, we drove by it, you know, um, what is it, TPC, the Prisoner Wine Company, TPWC or something, and we drove by, and Terry's like, what is that, like, black building? What is that? And I said... A prison. I said, oh, it used to be Franciscan. Franciscan, yeah. You know, and, and she goes, I used to love to go there. What did they do to it? And I said, it's been prisonized. They're making money, Terry. <laughs> yeah. More they, money, got a, more money. they got a printing press in the back. Yeah. That's, which is, you know, a language that Terry would understand. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Although she hates that bottle. Just, yeah. yeah. So, Cyril, I'm wondering, so I want to know, I was thinking about this the other day of what Sonoma is known for in the wine industry because I was thinking people that come here to visit like Cab they think of Napa Lodi you think of Old Vine um, Amador you think of Rhone Paso you kind of think of Rhone and yeah. Zen and, and Sonoma and I grew up here I grew up here in Petaluma so I know we we God. farm like 43 different varietals here which is that's the problem right which is it's it's right it's the the riches right the um, we have all these different um, um, products that that we make in the wine industry, but we're what are we really known for? I mean, Carneros, I guess you could say Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, but that runs through Sonoma and Napa. Um, so, what is our identity out there in the world when people think of Sonoma? What do they think of? That's the problem: diversity. You have so much, so much, so much good stuff. So many you grow everything well, so then you don't have one one uh, one great varietal to, to rally behind. So. Yeah. So how do we make that the message then? Mm, that we have message. a little bit of everything. We got it all. Yeah, right. That should, I don't know. Does that work? I, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we're, uh, 
We're looking to you for answers. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I wish I knew. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's easier when, uh, you know, so Virginia's Viognier and Petit Verdot and, you know, and. Yeah. Sonoma Paso just Cab. is, we just do everything well. And it's, and then because of that, we have no real identity. Can't our identity be, we do everything well? well that's what I'm saying. We need to come up with it. If only there was some sort of leaders on this. <laughs> right. You should have never said anything. You really didn't know. That's a big responsibility, I know. Um, Cyril, I have a question about uh, uh, wineries out of California. I mean, you know, Texas, Washington, Oregon, uh, now to some extent Virginia. I mean, they've all, like, grown massively um, during the past 10 years and all. Um, what other states are, are seeing that sort of growth? Do you guys have a sense of that or are they all still very localized and are they all just kind of tourist driven around where they're at? I know a friend of mine is a winemaker at, uh, Stone Tower in Virginia and it sounds like they get a lot of people there. He's been on the show, friend of the pod. Um, you know, they, he says we have a lot of people from the beltway that come and visit us. Um, is that. Is that going to continue, or is that just kind of very specific to? Those areas? I'm trying to remember. In the last, you know, we do this every February. The number of wineries by state, and 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 it grows. And I can't remember which states are growing the fastest right now. You know, but obviously British Columbia has been probably the fastest growing region in North America for for some time now. Um, I'd say all those regions. What I'm hearing, which is probably what you're hearing, is all those regions are doing really well. Uh, because of the local tourism and because of the the, the tasting rooms have done very very well uh, during COVID, right? Um, a lot of local. Well, it's there's a localization f- phenomenon around the world with wine, and you can look at uh, Wine Intelligence did a nice report about who's buying wine from what country, and you can, you can see the same chart with every every single country yeah. buying more of its own local wine. So exports being you know d- down generally, you know. And, and, and people buying local. So, so in those states, um, most of those small, new, little, small, smallish wineries seem to be doing well for the most part. Yeah. Um, have yeah. you um, have you had a chance to visit the Valley de Guadalupe and seen what's going on down there at all? I have not. Um, but Lance was down there a couple times and did a report for us. Uh, There's a guy named David Fuhrer who's uh, been down there a couple times and has been uh, pushing to do reports for us. He may he may uh, get 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 one uh, get one in there. Uh, and they have a new competition down there. Right. I understand that uh, is doing very well. So yeah, I'm hearing good stuff, but I have not been down there. I'm told it's very exciting. I, uh, I, and I've seen some stuff. Some people I know that have been down there and fall along on their trips by way of social media of course and seeing the restaurant what's right. going on there down there with the restaurants and food and stuff and it's it's amazing i mean it seems like it's just it's perfect um kind of the perfect storm for growth down there um I, and i i guess it's safe to go to the valley de guadalupe you know is it safe to go anywhere yet well i, I don't except for COVID. sonoma i Sonoma's don't mean COVID. i mean like you know oh. yeah you know, being well, a little cartel didn't stop you to do anything, right? <laughs> I guess not. Famous last words, right? Exactly. So, I, how many? How many? So, I remember growing up as a kid here, like being able to name all the all the wineries basically that were within driving 
time of my house. 13 of them in Sonoma in 1986. Is that true? Yeah. There was, that was the Sonoma Valley or the Sonoma grape growers or wineries was 13 when I started. And that would have included and what is it now? That's what I'm wondering. What are, what are we at in Sonoma and Napa Sonoma. combined? I mean, Sonoma, just Sonoma Valley, we're well over 100. Oh, it's got to be more. Call, well, Sonoma Valley, okay, so well over 100 that call this home by, you know, you know where they bottle their wines and right. stuff. So I can't remember. I know Napa has around 500, right? I, I thought it was north of 500. North, yeah. Yeah. And so what's saturation point for us? Oh. Some couple hundred ago, probably. I'm never, I'm, it never ceases to me to amaze me. Um, <laughs> I don't think we're there. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, I mean, you know, if we reach saturation point, that means that we all don't have enough customers, right? I mean, these are the not enough customers or not enough grapes. And if you can't make an appointment for three months at, you know, the top places and, there's too much grapes, supposedly. If there's 40 tons of, at it was at 27 when we started recording the show. It's at 29 now. That Pinot Noir and right. that Luma Gap. Um, right. You know, there's still you know people pulling out well, big swaths of vineyards. I, I so. thought you know, you look at wine clubs. I thought we'd reach saturation. There was my sense. I mean, everybody had a wine club. Everybody's trying to sell you on the wine club. Every winery you go to. Um, and you know, we've got you know, there's a limited amount of time that people stay in the club and all of that. Um, and that was starting to taper off a little bit before COVID, but now, boom, you know, um, it's, it's, it's still growing. So there's, there's room. People, you know, we see, we see it every day. People come here with the intent of, they don't know what club they're going to join. Mm-hmm. But especially if they're on like that West Wine Tour bus ride or they're here for the first, they, there's, there's cachet in being a member of a wine club. They want to come and find the one that they mm-hmm. want to join. There's definitely mm-hmm. still like motivated people who've never yeah. been in a club but are coming here to join a club. Yeah, and the the other thing with the COVID was was just people didn't realize they could buy wine online. I mean, that was a very, very small number of people that realized that they could buy wine online. It wasn't the masses. I mean, just they didn't know they could do it. Now they know they can do it. And these, they, these, these wine companies, they call themselves digitally native. That's the buzzword they use, you know, um, <clears throat> that kind of bugs me, but... It's uh, uh, Wink and uh, Lot, uh, not Lot, Lot 18, but um, they're, they're Naked Wines. You know, no. it, Naked Wines has quadrupled in size since COVID has happened. Has I mean, it really? Yeah, yeah. Close to, close, close to it, yes. Wow. Up to 2 million cases. So, so they're in the top, they're on the, that top 50 list then. Yeah, uh, there's uh, three or four direct wine companies that are on that list now where that yeah, you know, they never, they never were. Right, on. it was always yeah. a bad distribution. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but it's that always—I never understood why laws didn't change faster anyway. Because when the internet started, I can't believe people didn't realize that if someone sees something on a website, they want to buy it, they have the money, they give the money, it should come to their house. So, how? Why did it take so long for the wine industry to to get all those alcohol? Who because cares? It's, it's yeah, a product, but, but, though. But we've got wholesalers with, in 50 states with 50 different state legislatures. You still Stop. can't yeah. ship to Michigan unless you're... Yeah. Cavalier. Right. <laughs> but that, that's got to change, right? I mean, the, 
who cares if there's distributors or wholesalers or anything like that? I mean, if it's it's about access. It's about easy access, right? And yeah. people want to they want to push a button. My wife. I mean, we never used Instacart or anything until the pandemic hit, and I never I never would have thought of doing it. Um, it seems stupid to pay someone to go shop for you, um, but 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 now everyone does that kind of stuff, and to to not be able to purchase a bottle of wine online that you see where it has a description and a price and you can't get it delivered to your house seems insane. Well, what, and, and you know, we've we've had, uh, what's his name? He always gets himself in trouble. Tom Mark uh, uh, on the show during, you know, in our in our COVID Zoom sessions. Um, but it's really, it's, it is a 50-state problem, right? That there's, you know, there's still places where shipping wine to your house from a winery or from a retailer is is difficult if not illegal well it's way better than it used to be um and most states you can ship to um there's only a couple states left that you can't ship to it's just that it's it's is it worth your while to ship to them because it's such a pain because you have to get this you know you have to jump through these hoops and i have to get this uh license and then i have to keep track of how many cases i send and blah 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 pay the taxes so it's it's yeah so it's open but it isn't and then tom will of course, go off because uh, he is representing the retailers and, and the retailers are being shut out. Uh, so that that's all going. It's interesting to watch because the wholesalers are all embracing the uh, the move to digital by coming up with their own digital solutions right. in the last two years. Yeah, it's all in flux. Will you, will you uh, expand on that a little bit? What do you what's going on there? Well, a lot of it is uh, a lot of it is. Hey, you're a restaurant and you want to order wine, so now you can go on your computer terminal and do it. Mm. So they're facilitating it. That's really the main thing. Oh, so this is. Um, I'm trying to think of one of the uh, like seven the names. Seven fifty. Seven fifty. Seven fifty would be one of yeah, yeah. One, an example of that where all all of the wholesaler catalogs are on their platform. Right. So it's not that the wholesalers are realizing that they could sell wine directly to people. They're using no, digital no, to no. sell to their accounts. Yes. That makes sense, though. Because it, it basically... Have you ordered wine digitally from any of your suppliers? Um, so I'm tied into a specific type of um, software program for ordering wine. You guys should know. Stupid. Wine from they always end up uh, in my spam or like... Birch Street. Yeah. So I have to go on because everything has to get approved. Um, so you have to do it through a specific. But I would I would love that if I had one stop shopping where I could go onto one site and order everything I wanted. That would be amazing. Yeah. As long as everyone's getting their cut, right? Is that what it's? It's basically it's about everyone that got money before for wine coming into their state still just wants to get their piece of the pie. Pretty much, and yeah. you know the the wholesalers just don't want the competition. I guess of. I mean that's the the well, stick your possibly the possibly the fallacious argument, right? That the wholesalers think that if people are buying wine and having it shipped to their house, that they're going to be buying less wine at stores and restaurants. They want to maintain uh, control over the three tier system, and uh, anything that's a threat to that, they they want to preempt. Right. It's in their financial interest. Yep. Yeah. So it's just a matter of time. Yep. <laughs> So, so any other stories that you, as you, you know, plan a year ahead, anything that's going to surprise us other than that we're leaders? Um, um, any other, any other, you know, things that you're kind of track down? You know, that, so yeah, we're always looking for trials, news? right? I mean, we we uh, we're we're trying to find out about trials when winemakers do them, and we're trying to we have a trials forum on our 
website. Um, so we're always looking for that. I think people have, are doing less of that just because they've had their heads down because they're just trying to manage their business because of COVID. Uh, but we're all, we're always looking for that. You mean um, like specific winemaking trials? I'm, lo- I'm looking for specific winemaking trials, anything to do, anything that's going to help winemakers improve quality yeah. um, or, or in, in the vineyard or in the cellar. Yeah, um, we, we want to know about, and we want to know what you guys want to know about because we're here really, you know, for you guys, mm. as, as well. You know, it's funny we were when we were out in the vineyard with your dad and Will the other day, and they were talking about the the micro emitters for cooling the vineyard. Oh yeah, the misters. And then I don't know. I saw something recently. It was about drones and about you know about air movement and. You know, they do these air shows now with drones instead of fireworks. Have you right, ever seen right, that? Right, yeah. Well, that drones make air movement. Couldn't you just like see this mass drones of drones flying around, flying around vineyards trying to cool circulate the, air, whether cool or, or, or warm during, right. change it during um, uh, frost? Frost alarms were going off last night. I don't know if you saw driving this morning through uh, Kenwood. Pagani Ranch had all their windmills flying. Hmm. You know, it was cold. Maybe they're trying to dry things off. I don't know. Yeah, but it was it was thirty seven degrees when I got to Landmark this morning. So that's, that's happened to me in Sebastopol uh, in the last couple of weeks in the morning. That my uh, icy road right, alarm yeah. has come on in my car, which means it's hit thirty seven. Yeah, it was. It's. I think someone is using drones. I think Brene is using drones up there. <laughs> I don't know what they're using them for, but well, I mean, she uses she uses helicopters to um, spray because oh. they're large enough that they can do that. And if you think about it, it probably gets incredible coverage. It's certainly quick yeah. and and doesn't compact the soil and wakes up the whole neighborhood. <laughs> up there, well, my dad hears it. He's, oh, does he really? Yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, we're he, his bedroom is probably you know, half a mile from the sort of that eastern edge of the Monterosa vineyard. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I bet he does hear it. Yeah. I'm trying to think there's a there's a winery using uh drones to spray on an experimental basis um in, in the central coast and I'm I'm blanking on which one it's anyway, it's being done just a little bit experimentally. Yeah. 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 But yeah, air circulation. Air circulation. I mean like a like hundred drones rolling over the top of a vineyard. Think about that a little bit. I mean, it's it's coming, right? You know, if you had said 10 years ago how many vineyards would be mechanically harvested. Right. Right? And, you know, almost you know, by volume, probably more grapes, almost all the grapes in California are being harvested mechanically at this point. You think about just like pure gallons, poundage. By volume, it's got to be three quarters of them. Yeah. But, but what, what do you think it is in Sonoma Valley? You know, again, if you look at all those big, flat, straight line vineyards, um, I mean, it's certainly gone up a lot. Probably 30, 40%, and if not more. I mean, it's, you know, my perspective on it is so skewed because, you know, the vineyards that we farm, you know, first of all, the, the level of wine that is, you know, we're growing, it's probably not going to happen. But also, you know, the vineyards that we farm, uh, we would be destroying million dollar tractors on a regular basis i just you can't because a slope and you know terraces and the whole thing so um and you know you can't do head train vines and and all this but um yeah i know tol Merritt was talking about uh bringing in a uh rig from germany you know 
Yeah. No, it's, you know. They've got to be one of the new hot brands, huh? The bun, I mean, not hot, not new hot. Yeah, new hot brand. The Bunchu, the Toll Wine Company, that whole thing. I mean, they're certainly in a big growth mode. Yeah, and they're into technology and doing, uh, you know, uh, all the custom crush. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All the custom crush stuff they're doing. Yeah. You know, so they, they, they had the, the ozone machine out right. for this last harvest. You, using using unused wineries. Good for them. Just filling up empty spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least it's being used. Resources, oh, yeah. jobs, all those things. Totally. Right? Totally. You know, grapes in the valley as opposed to sending them some godforsaken place in the Central Valley. What's the demand for? <laughs> that might get me in trouble. Like American Canyon. Are there other custom <laughs> crush places cropping up around here lately? No, not so much. I, I mean, you know, the little one is M- Magnolia, which sort of like you know right. was an evolution of Enkidu, which right. was mostly custom crush. Uh, there's the the Sugarloaf facility, which opened a few years ago. It's pretty big. Yeah. Um, anything else in the valley? Not really new, um, but you know the the interesting one. You know, and I, obviously, I have, again, there's bias because we're making wine there. But as far as like a place built for little wineries the little wine is the magnolia uh, mm-hmm. model um you know with the bucklands behind it and such but um you know creating those spaces for small brands to do interesting things um was definitely yeah an, an encouraging they, sign right and they're definitely open to doing whatever with some of those things that they're fermenting there right because yeah, they're yeah. doing some fruit fermentations the and f- first day i walked in there this harvest and it was just like this insane apple chipping party right basically for a co-ferment apple and and uh syrah for pet net cider something yeah. um wavy right. wavy wines yeah. going to la um and i'm like oh my god <laughs> what did i walk into here right. everything's everything's been fine if they're listening but um i, I know there are some people in there who, who are listening but um yeah you know there's room for those types of things um to yeah. happen so that's yeah that's and okay. i think that's also an interesting whole aspect is the you know the cider um all these wineries making a little cider and whatnot and um you know how long will that growth keep going um well, Cyril, you used to do i used to see videos of you what is called something like hot small brands or um right yeah d- sam, was, sam was on it 2017 we were yeah, we were hot. We had. Uh, I remember seeing what Jeff Cohn was on when it was J.C. Sellers, um, like in 2011 or something. I mean, that was always kind of part of of Unified, right? You guys kind of timed that with with the Unified right. Symposium. We don't, we don't review wines, but it's one time a year where we're uh, checking out wines, and it started when the industry was in this period where there was an oversupply of bulk wine. There was this period where there was a lot of growth happening in the market, and there was an oversupply of bulk wine. And if you were a good marketer, you could buy bulk wine, come up with a clever label, and sell a boatload of it. And this was this was around the time of the critter craze. Remember, you know, yep, <laughs> the, the critter craze, right? Um, <clears throat> so there were a lot of those Ford happening, Joe. and I was trying to track. I, I would go through the Gomberg Fredrickson report. And the Gomberg Fredrickson report, for people who don't know, is. Uh, goes to industry executives and it tells them how much wine every winery shipped so they can see how their competitors did in the last quarter. Is know? that still going, um, that report? It's still going, actually. Uh, John Moore Marco runs that and it's actually a 50, 50 uh, venture with wine business so okay. we're involved with it a little bit. But I would go through that report 
just to see what small company really had a lot of growth and use that and and call wine brokers and ask around and see who's hot you know who 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 out of nowhere is doing 20,000 cases and and uh you know is doing well whatever that's not why we're on the list by the way (laughs) right so but well the industry's changed that's what it that's what it was at one point and literally the M&A guys would call me to find out who's on the list because that's who they're going to pitch it was like Rex Goliath being sold to Ga- uh, not to Gallo, to Constellation, right? Is, is an example of, of one of the companies that was on the list. Boom, they sold the company. And I would watch these companies. We'd put them on the list and then watch them get sold. Sure. That went on for a few years. And that kind of, that the industry changed and that wasn't the way it was anymore. And that list morphed into, hey, what is cool? What What is cool that winemakers should check out that's being done in the industry that they'll actually want to taste it for one reason or another? Um, because it's cool and interesting and we like it. And so we started taking it super seriously and we started doing all these tastings and we, we kind of, it got to be too much where we were tasting, I'm going to taste a hundred different Syrahs and I'm going to pick one Syrah, right? And then, then, then it gets to the thing where you're, you're, it's like it's like you're a wine critic and you're only oh well I noticed the oaky wine so that's the best right. you know kind of thing anyway so 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 then we kind of pulled it back a little bit um, but we just like I said try and make it interesting and and the definition really is these are cool wines that, that are that people in the industry are going to want to want to check out that are that are new and upcoming yeah. you know upcoming wineries that we think there's 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 an upside with the winery because they're doing something cool they're leaders in their region well, whatever. Yeah. So. Did you guys see that Pax just bought Halcon Vineyards? Yeah. yeah, it's a big property. Big property, hard place to grow stuff. Is it? That's what it's... I mean, I, I didn't know a whole lot about it, but reading the article yesterday, yeah, it's 2,500 feet elevation, uh, close to the coast, thin mm-hmm. soils. Yeah. And it sounds like a fun place to... A lot of Syrah. A lot of Syrah. A lot of Syrah. Yeah, I, I don't know the vineyard at all, but uh, I, apparently it's very well known. But but um, I thought it was interesting that creating a Syrah brand. Yeah. 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 Someone had to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, but but if, you know, if the most interesting Syrah out there is cool climate, you know, that style, I mean, it's a good place to start. It's a lot better than, um, you know... 250 acres of Syrah in Alexander Valley, Um, you know, as far as like trying to make a relevant wine and a compelling wine, I would think. I've I've had the the Halcon wines, and I don't know how they're, if it was a family that owned that vineyard before. So, and again, this is just based on the couple articles I read yesterday. Um, A British couple, actually they're both British, but met in Silicon Valley working tech, uh, wanted to you know plant a vineyard and start a winery. Basically, the only place that they could find to do what they wanted to do was this you know Yorkville Highlands. This was maybe 20 years ago. Um, I think the vineyard now is they're talking about the vineyard is 15, 16 years old, 16, 17 year old vine. So, um, but they sound like sold a lot of grapes. Only made you know maybe less than a thousand cases of the of the Halkin. We used to have it on the list at the Girl in the Fig. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They, they do Syrah, maybe a, a, a Grenache Syrah, Mavedra blend, maybe some whites. Um, but yeah, now it's sounds like Pax is going to bring it all in. They're not going to sell any more grapes, so that's a lot of a lot of Syrah yeah. to be dra- you know. And that's a it sounds like it's also a gnarly drive from the top of that vineyard to uh, just out to, to the road. 
just get to the road, yeah. let alone to bring all the fruit back to Sebastopol. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see that one uh, that one evolve um, over the next couple of years. So one one more thing that I, uh, you know, a lot of what wine business does is involved with the you know the symposiums and the conferences and uh, how did you know obviously COVID changed that a lot. Uh, how did the digital stuff, virtual stuff work for you? And what's what's kind of happening in the future as those things kind of come back to life a little bit? Yeah, so events is uh, obviously part of our business. It wasn't for a while, but most uh, trade publications do events. They do data, right? They do classifieds. They do events. Um, we got into it a few years ago, and uh, suddenly we had nine events, um, which is quite a lot. And... In terms of COVID, uh, yeah, COVID kind of decimated events. Uh, I wish we were still doing IQ because that was my favorite. I love yeah. IQ, yeah, and great. I hope I hope we can uh, get get IQ going again. So for some events, we postponed, postponed, postponed. Some went virtual. The ones that went virtual went very well, and uh, people even paid to attend and uh, sponsors were happy to sponsor because these were events that had been going in the industry for a long time. So I'm talking about the wine industry financial symposium, for example, uh, where there's a real following for it. So that, that actually, the pivot or whatever, uh, was, 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 was pretty good. But, you know, we're like everybody else, just hoping these numbers keep going down and, um, you know, that we come back. And you guys might have noticed this morning was... Uh, uh, registration and rooms for the Unified Symposium open this morning. Yep. And as you guys probably know, getting room during uh, Unified in Sacramento is almost impossible. I was trying to do it this morning, and we're all at, at 9 o'clock exactly on our computers, refreshing the browsers as fast as we can, trying to get our rooms, trying to get our rooms. You know, um, I think the fifth hotel down the list, I got one room. Uh, so anyway, so we'll see, we'll that... see, we'll see how unified goes. Um, everybody has to have a mask on inside. So I'm wondering how that's going to go. Um, but brand new convention center. We all haven't seen each other in a long time. I think people are uh, raring to go. So hopefully it goes well. Some good after parties. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I've been to unified a couple of times that I've been to the actual convention once right you know you go you're like there's a lunch there's a dinner there's a pouring you know there's a party oh yeah there's apparently there's a conference with a big trade <laughs> yeah this might be the year where i think there's going to be fewer of those parties so yeah. maybe people will wind up at the conference i don't, right. I don't know <laughs> i registered i just yeah. didn't make it <laughs> right. don't blame me <laughs> all right anything else anybody no you guys want to do your shout outs for the week Shout out to Rob Wildman. Oh yeah, Rob Wildman. Showing up. Rob Wildman made it. <laughs> Rob and Rosie made it all the way here. And can we just briefly talk to Rob and ask him what he was what he's been up to the last couple days? The last couple days. Yeah, who, so, who, who have you tasted? Where have you tasted? What have you had? So we we came we came in straight from the airport, changed our clothes at Sandra's, stopped by and said hi to Bart, and then came and did a tasting here. And my wife made me buy a lot of clothes from Dan and Araldi's. <laughs> right. Shout out to Araldi's. Yeah. <laughs> They're awesome. Dan, Dan was awesome. We, we save up buying shoes and clothes because we, we just think he's great. And we, it's been a while. We haven't been here since July of 2019. So, um, and then our friend Sandra, um, we, we kind of did a little resting around, goofing around yesterday. Drove around Mount Veter um, and uh, just driving up the mountain. Kind of hadn't done that in a while. And then... 
Uh, we went to Valley. Oh, you uh, did. Yep. That was very good. Yeah. Farm to table. We really enjoyed that. Um, and then <laughs> Rob, like, did you did you say what the hell are some of these wines on here? Well, yeah, they had a winemaker <laughs> there. Oh, you were there on on Sunday night. <laughs> Was that, was that Sunday? Yeah, it must with, have been Sunday night. Yeah, so it was, it was uh, Evan Lewandowski and, and uh, friend of the podcast, um, Sarah Morgan Stern. Yeah. Yep, we had the uh, San Gervais okay. when we were there. Right. Um, and then uh, we did, uh, what was the, yesterday, oh, we went to Glen Allen Star. We went last night for dinner, which was fantastic. Nice. Stopped by uh, Cornerstone. Um, oh. That's changed a lot since the last time we've been here. Yeah. Um, Stopped by there, had a couple uh, glasses of wine at uh, Meadowcroft, and I, thank goodness there was no shopping for me there, <laughs> or I would have been in more trouble. But uh, I'm, I, I'm glad my wife, I guess she likes spending it on me better than herself. This, but, right. this model where we, you know, loosen the wallets a little bit in the tasting rooms and then send them to Araldi's, I'm sure that the folks at Araldi's are pretty happy about it. Yeah. He was smiling. He was smiling. But no, we, we've, we've really enjoyed it. We love coming here. You guys are great. And uh, we really appreciate it. And it's been, you know, 2019, July. So and a lot's happened yeah. personally since then and, and professionally. And it's, so it was great for us to come and see you guys. And, and we did a lot of podcast. We did a lot of uh, virtual tastings in between. But that, it's not yeah. like the same as being here in person. That's for sure. And just a word for all you listeners out there. We love when you guys come visit, too. And we're always, if you need that concierge, it's that uh, telling you where to go. Um, we're happy to provide that service for you guys. Or you could email mountaincabernet at gmail.com. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Roger. Or if you have complaints. Right. <laughs> same uh, same no, no, it's uh, Joel at Once in the Future Wine. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Um, and it's, uh, it looked like um, MJ Tower got to meet the Hawk in person, too, over the last... Uh, yeah, that looked like a party to be at. Right? Didn't get an in... Thanks for the invite there, Marvin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, shout out to uh, uh, the, our friends at Bedrock for hosting, um, hosting uh, Dwayne Wade. Oh, uh, yeah. For a little... That was, that was uh, interesting to see what happens with that situation wait, yeah. wait 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 uh well Dwayne wade sellers yeah. is buying some bedrock fruit for bedrock some cab for some for some program for some project i don't know so there was you know a, a video that popped up uh or i guess earlier this week uh, Dwayne wade himself uh walking and hanging out at bedrock with chris and morgan and in a sharp suit in a sharp suit yeah definitely like you know you made chris and morgan look like people who spend their lives in vineyards and wineries and and short <laughs> for sure actually so and then uh esther mobley i guess interviewed Dwayne wade for an article that's out right now and she posted a picture on instagram shout out to esther uh esther is n m tall because standing next to Dwayne wade she was like you know up past his shoulder so I was, that's, and she's looking for a writer right now looking for so if anybody needs a job can can write well. I got my hand up. I'm All right, sending in, sending an application. Actually, they're hiring two people. There's, yeah. two, there's going to be two new uh, writers under Esther, I guess, in the in the wine program there at the Chronicle. So, you got any job openings? Uh, not at the moment, okay. but uh, <laughs> but uh, circle back and uh, check out winejobs.com. Uh, um, <clears throat> 
Yeah, I met Dwayne on Friday. Oh, did. Uh, because, yeah, he joined the uh, UC Davis Executive that's, Advisory yeah, that's Board. Weird. I'm on that board. Uh, and so he, yeah, he's gotten involved uh, really to to promote diversity and get you know get more uh get more folks uh more diversity in the student body uh coming coming into the industry and saying hey this is something you know you guys can do and you you see davis is here and there there are these jobs making wine and selling wine and that is super cool to see because some of the you know some of the celebrities you think they just want to slap their name on the back of a label and have a you know, have a label that they can tell their friends about. But it sounds yeah. like he's actually in it yeah, to win I can it. tell you he's totally engaged. I mean, he sat through a three-and-a-half-hour meeting, which, I mean, I was having a hard time sitting still myself. Um, so, you know, kudos to him. It's awesome. That. Yeah, it's awesome. And that's great to hear that, you know, Davis is sort of taking a, a leadership role in that because, you know, from a industry standpoint, you know, we can want to hire a more diverse workforce as much as we want to. And if... You know, the people who show up at the door, people who have qualifications, trained. people who are, you know, have education and resumes all look the same. And it's pretty hard to, like, accomplish those goals. Yeah. So. You know, have to let people know that the that, that there's an opportunity here that, right. that, that we're here. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Cool. Shout out. Cool. Can we shout out Dwayne Wade? Yeah. yeah. Shout out Dwayne right. Wade. That's maybe our, certainly our, is it our tallest shout out? <laughs> I, it's, I don't even know what to say to that, Sam. And oh, how about this one? Uh, Dwayne, can I say this? That's a stretch. Okay, all right. <laughs> Bart's gonna love this. We can end with this one. Dwayne Wade makes Shannon Blanc. Dwayne Wade does make Shannon Blanc. He does. Yeah. Wait, why is that relevant? Do you make Shannon Blanc? <laughs> there it is. Dwayne, let me know if you want to get together and taste some Shannon. I'm, I'm open to I it. I see the a, Shannon, col- a the collaboration Shannon, happening. Yeah. Shannon Appreciation yeah. Society. At George Walks. Hit me up. Man. Right. Hit me up. There you go. Cyril, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We appreciate everything you do. Thanks for having me. And thanks yeah. for you know, all you do promoting us, too. We appreciate it. Yeah. 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 And we appreciate all your publications. Yeah. I, it's always usually the first thing I look at in the morning. Can't start my morning without... Uh, basically, I'm waiting to start my morning for Cyril to start Cyril to start his right. morning, so that you know he has to have his coffee before I can have my coffee. Basically, and and you know, and then the other thing is, I'm always like, as I'm checking my email during the day, and you see that breaking news, right? I'm always looking to see you who know, got bought, who got bought. <laughs> Sam sold. I got nothing. I got nothing to sell. All right. <laughs> And our thoughts and prayers go out to the guy who owns the 43 tons of Pinot Noir that is, that is about to get rained on for five days straight. It's 31 bricks now. It's 31 bricks. 31 bricks. <laughs> I see a Pinot Noir port coming in your, in your future. Uh, maybe it, at this point it's going to be like a, maybe I'll do a Petritus. <laughs> Petritus. Yeah, all right. Exactly. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.